This is Scott Coates from the Sonic Collective. This is my review of Public Enemies. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. This one came out in 1988. I was familiar with a couple of the singles, but I was more familiar, I think, with the band as a whole and as a, and as a movement. And I think most people who listen to music in the 80s and 90s will know Public Enemy, even if they can't name a song. But they'll know that this was a band that was making political statements, social statements, and really pushing for change and for rights, which is something that very few bands, regardless of genre, do it. Um, Chuck D, wow, what a great voice. I mean, one of the all-time great rap voices. And then you got Flavor Flav's wackiness, kind of, yeah, boy, in the back. They're kind of the yin to the yang. Um, so many layers to this. I've listened to it many, many times. And from the kind of the whistles that you hear in all their songs, which is really unique, kind of the whistle and siren sound in a lot of Public Enemy songs to countless James Brown samples and even, yeah, from the Beastie Boys. And I think there's some Run DMC in there. Like, these guys are sampling themselves, too, which I thought was cool, is that they're scratching Chuck D's voice. There are so many samples on here. And like, caught, can we get a witness? They're actually protesting using samples in songs, the fact that they were being charged with using, I think, samples without permission. So they're actually practicing something that they're being charged with is pretty cool. Show me what you got. Interesting to hear the beat in this is Rex and Effect use this in Rump Shaker, and I think it was not long after, so that other kind of rap bands and dance bands were using samples from Public Enemy like just a year or two later, and then I was really surprised to hear Security of the First World. This beat was the backbeat for Madonna's Justify My Love. Had no idea. Um, she watched Channel Zero. is pretty cool. Nice to hear the guitar use here. I kind of wonder who the girl is they were talking about, but it's one of the few songs with some electric guitar, and I, I thought it really kind of had a cool sound. It was neat to hear the guitar. Kind of wish they had a bit more with electric guitar. Night of the Living Bassheads. You'll recognize something from so many rap songs here. There's so much going on. I'd like to take the time to try and figure out what all the samples are. Um, Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos. Really cool how they scratch Chuck D rapping here, and the statements are making are unbelievable. And then Rebel Without a Pause. Right at the end, Maestro Fresh Rest, a Canadian rapper and ice both use samples from this album. So this one is kind of credited with being one of the all-time great rap albums. Um, I like it. I don't think I'll listen to it super regularly, but the influence it made on the rap world is indisputable. When you hear the samples they used and then think of how many bands have sampled from this album, it's incredible. I'm going to give it a four from over, overall opinion. Would I recommend? Four. Yeah, absolutely. Influence my taste. I'm going to give it a 3.5. I think I'll have to listen to Fear of a Black Planet now. And worth the hype? Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. I think as far as a certain kind of music in a certain period, this one nails it. They were making a statement. And uh, yeah, it's super worth a listen if you're interested in music. So this is Scott Coates recording in central Spain. And I'm going to throw over to the rest of the Sonic Collective to give you their opinion on it. 
Hello and welcome, and a big thanks to Scott Coates throwing it off to us now. Uh, we are now back in the lovely city of Calgary, Alberta, uh, not with Scott in Spain. He's always somewhere, that guy. Man, he just he's lived the life. He's traveling all the time. Um, but I am here. I am Darren Scott. I am here with the other members, Scott Gregory. Hello. And Alan Dupuis. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, uh, so, yeah, so now it's our turn to review... Uh, this awesome album. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to let you guys go first. I, this, this album was very close to me. Uh, it takes a nation of millions to hold this back, obviously, by Public Enemy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what you guys had. You know, the one thing about this group I really like is that we're all kind of different ages, but all with, like, I think we're all, like, a couple of years apart, me being on the, the older end and Alan on the younger end. Um, so I realized for somebody like Alan, and sorry, Alan, when were you born? Not that <gasps> Say that, or if you want, you never ask a lady that. <laughs> yeah, Come anyway, on. but Alan is younger. Alan oh, is a lot younger than I am. So uh, for me, this <laughs> this was actually my high school. Greg graduated this in 1988, so um, oh. I, I remember it well. And I, Alan is significantly younger than I am, so I'm sure he was uh, in elementary school or something like that. So um, anyway, yeah. Uh, on that, why actually, Alan, why don't you start it off? I, I'd love to hear a younger person's perspective on this album. Yes, Mr. Sure. Millennial. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Don't hold it against me. Um, I really, really like this album. I like old school hip hop. Is that offensive if I call it old school? No, it is, that's a, I think it's safe now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's safe. It's safe now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I super liked it. Um, Bring the Noise is familiar kind of off the bat because I remember they did a kind of a pair up with Anthrax. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so good. And uh, it was on the Tony Hawk. I think it was Tony Hawk Underground. Oh, the video game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it well. And then when, when Scott Gregory and I would play foosball together, owning the table, I might add, because we yeah. were awesome. You, you guys we were always kind of. We would always sing. Bass, how low can you go? <laughs> so, but uh, the rest of the album was fantastic as well. There were a couple songs that I didn't really dig, but overall, um, just super tight. Really like the the song Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I have that um, um written down as well as kind of besides the big hits to be one. Yeah, that's funny you said too, Scott. Eh? Yeah, oh, big time. Yeah, and it's funny because it samples uh, Stevie Wonder, which is one of the previous mm-hmm. albums that we. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think the only real complaints I had were just, and this is kind of typical, I think, of a lot of hip hop albums, but the skits or the interludes or whatever between tracks I can really do without. Oh, Oh yeah. 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 Um, and this by far was not as bad as like when we, when we reviewed the chronic by Dr. Dre, there were a bunch of just useless skits that, you know, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. taking, taking up space. Um, no, fantastic album. It kind of, it's really powerful. Um, you know, I obviously I didn't grow up as a black man, in no the, the, <laughs> a few decades ago and having to deal with what it was like there. Right. So, um, but I, you kind of get the sense of the angst from these guys vicariously, like, you know, even songs like fight the power, which is probably their best known track. It's, mm-hmm. I forget the word for it, but basically he's championing this Afrocentrism. Is that the word I'm looking for? God basically shit. just like, Black power, but not in a, you know, light cars on fire and riot kind of way, but it's just, um, 
Chuck and Flava were really trying to bring awareness to the plight of the black man in a white society. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's highly politicized and it, it wasn't about cash cars and bling and stuff. It was about stuff that mattered, which I really appreciate. Yeah. You could definitely tell the difference between, uh, an East coast album and a West coast album and, and public enemy, I think is one of those artists that you hold up and you look at the messaging. And even if you just go beyond down into the samples and stuff like that, I think bringing up the chronic was a, a great example, right? And I, I don't, it's tough because if you go public enemy versus say NWA, they match up really well. But then mm-hmm. there is that switch that flips all of a sudden when Dre goes on his own and they start that California sound, it's it's just different. And like you said, it's, it's angrier, it's more mm-hmm. in your face, it's unapologetic, and it's got a mission. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think Chuck D in, in general, I think it was more like, sounds weird, but more of a poet than, uh, you know, whereas uh, the NWAs or the two live crews kind of at that time um, were very, you know, just like, this is bullshit and yeah. this is where we are. And, and like, hey, they're, don't get me wrong, they're, they were writing great rhymes and, and great rap. But, yeah. Ch- you know, Chuck D, I think is obviously has a lot, a lot on his mind and, a, and an intelligent man. Like, oh. and it's quite obvious. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But you get that out of, you know, if you go to the 36 chambers and stuff like that off of Wu Tang, like right up. you'll, you'll find full disclosure. I think East coast rap destroys West coast rap every day of the week. And it's exactly for what you said. I think it's more cerebral. They're more out there. They're attacking, uh, injustice and they're standing up for themselves and they're presenting this intelligent message out there. You know, they're not sitting in a mm-hmm. basement trying to figure out what rhymes with fuck the police. They're, you <laughs> yeah. know, they're, they're pulling out things that have happened in the Southern United States and they're putting them in context and really trying to, to reach people about it. Yeah. And when rap started, I mean, in the late seventies and the early eighties, really in New York, um, it, it, you know, it was a horrible time. Like the Bronx and Brooklyn were horrible places. And, mm-hmm. there, you know, there was these fires and everything like that. Uh, have you ever watched that? Is it the get down on Netflix? Um, interesting show. It's not, it's a little out there at times, but pretty good, but it does a good uh, um, job of telling the history of that area at the time. And then really like when rap started, it was kind of just for fun. And then um, it wasn't until Grandmaster Flash and the, and the Furious Five and when they did the message, that was really one of the first ones where uh, that song was really about the street and how rough and tough it was and, and still a legendary song to this day. Yeah. But after that, you know, even though rap had that, it wasn't really popularized. Of course, you know, uh, the record companies don't want that. They didn't want to touch it. So uh, if you think you go back to kind of a few years before this album and stuff, the big artists uh, that were kind of kicking up with the Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, which, I mean, they had, but it was about who's kidding who. It was like girls and money and look how cool I am. And uh, and it wasn't as quietly political as, as it got. So rap kind of went soft. And, and you know, I just Googled like the, the charts at that time and realized at the same time this was coming out, uh, uh, you know, hey, we love the Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff, but Parents Don't Understand was like the number one rap song uh, in 1988. Parents um, just don't understand. It's true. Yeah, yeah, right. It's true. 
So it was interesting. So they, and, and then starting to come out like uh, Eric B and Rakim and then all these artists at that time, Boogie Down Productions, uh, my philosophy with uh, KRS-One, like nice. all of a sudden rap changed and it came back to this like, hey, we've got a message and it's oh, still, yeah. there's still a lot of racism and a lot going on. We got uh, 100 guns, 200 clips going to New York, New York. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and realize Ronald Reagan, I think he either still was president or just ending then. I shouldn't remember. But Ronald Reagan was like as conservative, white, like it was horrible for the United States. So um, th- this was kind of like the coming out at the time for like, so oh, yeah. I agree. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm around. But Scott, uh, what else do you think? Uh, uh, I... L- it's weird to say it's my third most favorite public enemy album, right? Like I really thought they caught fire, uh, in the early nineties and when they just went one, two, three, fight the power fear of a black planet apocalypse. Mm. 91 is probably my most favorite. You know, all of those have tracks that just dominate my, my playlist. So mm. this was good for me this month because it is one that doesn't make it into my rotation as much. So to, to go back and listen to it as a full album, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a really great flow. Uh, I agree. Black steel in the hour of chaos. I really like the, it really demonstrated where they were moving away from just sampling other albums and they were working sounds in and, and, you know, pushing boundaries, uh, you know, the bomb squad just really asserting themselves on the sound, uh, mm-hmm. behind the lyrics, uh, bring the noise. I, it's tough because I like the remix, uh, you know, you mentioned with anthrax, but I really like the original in its, mm-hmm pure form as well too. Chuck D just comes through a lot better. It doesn't have a lot of the guitar and stuff, uh, overshadowing it. Uh, I like, I have a little love affair going on with cold Lampin just because I don't know why I love Flavor Flav. That guy, he's just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe him. <laughs> I, I watched his comedy roast and, uh, he's still exactly, well, at that point it's a little bit older now, but he's exactly who you think he would be, based off of, you know, his riffs and his songs like that on the albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, yeah, if you put it historically in context, uh, I like how it brought things back around. It, it became part of the solution again instead of part of the problem as far as... Yeah, good point. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be like a purist when it comes to rap, but... Just like country got crapped on by C-pop and stuff like that, you know, great guns to anyone that likes the softer side of rap and hip hop. But, you know, you get an album like this or uh, I don't know who's someone contemporary. You know, I think someone like Missy Elliott really marries the two together. But mm-hmm. when you just want to pin the needle back to just that raw sound and aggressive street level music public enemy is a go-to and this before they i don't want to call them commercial in the later albums but they definitely were feeling their legs underneath them and i think this one uh really stands out as more raw more them right yeah it's very raw totally raw this was their sophomore album right second one Correct. Yeah. 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 Correct. The first album didn't do as good. I, I don't think it got big play. So no, and yeah. it wasn't as aggressive as this one either. I think right. They really upped the tempo, up the beat count, and and Chuck D got a little angrier. I think. I guess I don't. Yep. 
And yeah. he, you know, studied Southern history a little bit more in between time and found more stuff to get pissed off about and away he went. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll jump in a bit now and then we can come back to scores and stuff like that. Um, you know, like I said, I, I was, I was, I've always been a rap fan from the beginning. I remember a Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. I would have mm. been a teenager. Um, and funny and, and interesting thing. And like, here we are three Canadian guys. Uh, and I mean, for me, I was I'm from Prince Edward Island, a small little place for those of you who don't know where it is in Canada. But we got all our TV from New York and Boston. So it was good. You would actually get exposed to some of this in the, you know, those late night video shows and stuff. And, um, so, uh, I, I always loved rap. I love this. I remember when it, I had this cassette the second it came out. I'm sure I, you know, played it a thousand times. I, I just absolutely loved it. Uh, obviously the big songs and don't believe the hype. I always really liked, um, uh, the other one I like, she watched, uh, channel zero, whatever. I actually oh, really yeah. like that song. Too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's another yeah. one on my list of awesomeness. <laughs> yeah. Really, really good song. But, uh, you know, I was, I just graduated high school at this time. And, uh, yeah, when this came out, uh, you uh like I, I just thought it was just a little, way more raw than most uh, other things coming out at that time. I, I did get into NWA, but I wasn't in, they were just out. They were just starting release, but I mean, you're not getting that album at Sam, the record man. And PDI. No. And, and, and it would take, an, it would take another year or two before it kind of made it, uh, that far. Um, but, um, one thing, and, and you kind of actually alluded to it, uh, about the production and things like that. Um, but back in this time realized that, uh, the record companies were a bit behind and that using samples was kind of like, it was like the wild west. Um, now if you use any sample, you got to go to that, uh, clear it. You, you're going to owe money. They're going to get a portion of that song or you're making a deal on the side. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's big money. So a lot of their songs now, uh, they don't sample as much because they just can't, it's too expensive. You just can't afford it. But back then, I mean, you think of it, all the samples that are on this album, uh, it, it's just insane. And I know I'm a big fan of a tribe called quest and mm-hmm. I, um, uh, I know their first few albums, like they said now, like there's no possible way they could actually recreate that music because they'd never be able to clear all the samples because yeah. they just sampled so much. Uh, so, but it, and it, but if anything, it, it's cool because we get to benefit from that because it was a yeah. wild west. They just took it and like, you know, just making, who cares? Like how well, that, can we owe pe- people money, right? That was like the people under the stairs from the West coast there. They mm-hmm. do the exact same thing where they'll take like 40 samples, literally 40 samples and, and cut them down and make one, you know, sound off of them as well too. I don't know. Cause they're still making music. I don't know how they get away with it either. Probably cause they cut it so fine that you can't tell anymore, I guess, but yeah, but yeah, yeah totally. exactly. I appreciate it. I lo- yeah. I love this album. I think we've been talking long enough. I think uh, we said we quite like, I don't like it. Let's, uh, Talk about some scores here. What do you uh, go back to Alan here? What uh, what would you kind of rate this album? And using our scale, like, would you recommend it? Did it influence you? And is it worth the hype? And then overall, um, definitely influenced me. I hadn't delved too deep into their discography, but after listening to this one, I definitely will because I super enjoyed it. And I would like to see what else, how they, how their sound evolved, how their message evolved over time. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty intrigued. So that gets a, a five out of five as far as like taste influence. Um, yeah. super enjoyed it. Yeah. I would say it's a solid probably four and a half or five for me. I, yeah. I really don't have a lot of, uh, of criticism aside from there was one track that I found a little bit repetitive and 
Yeah. You know, well, it's again. a long, it's an hour long album too. It was a big album. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a really big album for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I never found myself really growing weary of listening to it. And it's, it's one of those things you can, you can drive to it. You can work to it. You can play video games to it. You can cook to it. It, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it, I, I find when I'm listening to music, I need, it, it kind of, it's either like a driving song or it's a chill song or whatever. But yeah. with this, with this album, I found it really versatile. So definitely high points for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And Scott? Uh, is it worth the hype? Well, don't believe the hype. But <laughs> don't, but, don't, 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 don't believe the hype. But if I had to give it a hype, then I would, I'd say, yeah, four, four and a half. Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm completely biased. Public Enemy is literally my favorite rap group. So, yeah. can I call them a band? Do they play instruments? Yeah, they're a band. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Flavor Flav plays the drums. Uh, it definitely influenced my taste. Like I said, uh, even though this one was my favorite from this on through the early '90s, oh, that yeah. succession of albums absolutely <laughs> dominated the music mm-hmm. that I was listening to. So I would say a five guaranteed five mm-hmm. for that. And I'll give it a five for recommendation. Even though I said it's my third favorite public enemy album, we're talking, I have so much respect for public enemy in general. That's, you know, the only thing that's ahead of it are other public enemy albums yeah, as far yeah. as rap goes. So <laughs> check this one out and check the next three albums out after this You'll see the progression. You'll see the the narrative uh, change and grow. And if you're a fan of rap or if you just want to learn more about East Coast uh, in that mm-hmm. time frame, this is the group to go with. So Yeah. So overall, what are you giving? Uh, I'm going to give it my first five. Right, that's the first time you're giving a five. I think right. so. Yeah. yeah awesome. Unabashed. Awesome. I think it might only be my second five. Oh really? I yeah. don't handle that uh, very easily. <laughs> I'm a little more generous with them, I think. I don't um, even give uh, my own albums five. So <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, it might be good to note, and probably people may know, but uh, Public Enemy is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, they um, also they've been quoted, and uh, many people have actually said not only just influential in rap, but they uh, there's some really big music critics that actually have called this possibly one of the most influential albums of all time yeah. because realize how many other rap artists and how it changed that like they were just more raw and how it's part. Yeah. So it's amazing. Uh, for me, this is going to be easy and I'm, I'm way looser than you guys, but I freaking love this. I'm fives across the board for this. Like, um, n- not to similar to Johnny. I think, you know, yeah, you can pick apart little things, but realize what this is and what it did. And, and I was there, I was 18 at that time. It was like, it, you know, it, it, a weird kid in Charlottetown PEI. Um, it even spoke to me. It's a funny album when it can do that. Like some white kid from nowhere, Canada can be influenced <laughs> by a band like public enemy like that. Uh, yeah, totally five is across the board. Uh, any last uh, parting comments guys? Uh, public enemy does have a new uh, album out. So if you enjoy hmm. these, then fast forward 20 some odd years and hear what they sound like now. Yeah. I'll put a link to that in the, in our uh, reviews as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, who did they pair up with? It was like the guys from Cypress Hill and uh, Rage, oh, yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, to I gave that a Prophets play. of Rage, which is the song on this album, ironically enough. And, yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah. And it's a really good song. I've only heard the one song from Prophets of Rage, but uh, fantastic. And I'll probably explore that too. So if you're if you're a little more into 
the the rap metal mix. I think maybe that's an avenue to explore. Yeah, and they and have footage up on YouTube as well, so you can catch some of their other tracks. Yeah. And, and on our site, actually, if you haven't, if nobody, if somebody's listening to this and hasn't actually read or listened to Scott's selection, uh, he references uh, that as how what sparked him to pick this. Oh, yeah, and there right. and there is a video actually right on our page. So go to our site. Don't go to YouTube. Right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. I, I don't really have anything to add except, uh, I mean, if you even are just curious about hip hop, maybe you're not a hip hop or a rap fan. If you're even just curious about it, give this one a listen. It's definitely worth it. Um, and if you are a fan and you haven't heard it, like slap yourself and go what listen to it. Now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, yeah, this was fantastic. Once again, um, Alan is up next. I, I have received this pick. I won't reveal it here. You're going to have to go and watch our site to see uh, this month's pick uh, for that. Um, but for now, uh, this is uh, Darren Scott, Scott Gregory, and Alan Dupuy. We are at thesoniccollective.com. Please go there. Even though we post on SoundCloud, if you go to the website, uh, there's way more uh, there, and you can see all our past picks and everything like that and find them. Uh, we hope you enjoy our show, and please feel free to comment or contact us anytime. Uh, signing off for now. Uh, we really enjoyed Public Enemy. All right. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.